You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. All right, here we are. Yeah, those are some of our student leaders. Pray for us, right? No, it's great. It's great to see such joy, such fun, such excitement about all sorts of stuff. It's great to have you here today as we start uh, in our second week of our Live It Up series, talking about what real life is like. And today it's fill up, fill up with the Holy Spirit. So before we begin, we're going to look um, at Ephesians 5. But before we begin, we want to pray because I need it today. We all need it, uh, especially on this subject. Lord God, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, your grace. Uh, how, Lord Jesus, you said it was to our advantage that you would ascend, that you would go away, and you would send your spirit. And so we pray for your spirit to be here. The prayer that, keeps, that we keep asking, Lord, again and again, fill us. Fill us to overflowing with such joy that it's contagious. Bless this day, Lord. Bless all the churches in our area that are doing your work, your will, that are teaching your truth, your gospel. We pray for them all, and we pray for a movement of your spirit in this county, in this area, Um, from campus to neighborhood to business, everywhere, Lord, that you would, um, that the knowledge, your knowledge of who you are, what you are, and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ would flood this place like the waters covering the ocean itself. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and you can see that you can follow it along on our Bible app. What's great, too, is um, our app as well, um, in, uh, you can also find these sermons online on Tuesdays, and we are even live streaming today again. So hello, Ashland, Wisconsin, right? We know there's a couple people at Kyrie Knows up there that are watching as well. And so you can tell people too, if they're sick or they're not able to, they can actually um, get connected with Thrive either by live or I think on Facebook later on during the week, it's just there and you can watch the whole thing because it's so good you'll watch it again, right? Okay. It's on the app, so there you go. Okay, so we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So today we're looking at, in our second week of Live It Up, we're looking at how we live it up when, as Paul says here, the days are evil. Do you have any question that the days are evil? Is it really even an argument anymore that we're living in difficult times? I don't think so. I think you can notice it all around you that there is so much going on in our world, in our society, the chaos is happening that seems out of line that this verse, this section makes sense. So Paul is saying, what do you do? How do you live? And how are you going to live when things around you are absolutely a mess? Okay? So how do you find when circumstances are tough, 
when you are struggling or when you feel oppressed or you are um, dealing with just being depressed or that you just can't even digest what's going on. It just can't, it's like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Where do you go for comfort? Where do you go for a refuge? Where do you go to find truth? Where do you go to center yourself? Where do you go for strength? And Paul says, don't be foolish, but be wise. Don't go towards the easy path which would be, as he says, numbing yourself, you know, like escaping in one form or another from this world. And he uses the example in this text of drinking too much wine, of alcohol. It's kind of, and that leads to dissipation, other translations say. It basically devalues you. It diminishes you. It doesn't add to you. It doesn't give. It just takes away. But be filled instead with the Spirit. Now, The verb tense for being filled with the Spirit in this text is, I know, you're probably such a grammarian, like, right, you know? Did you diagram sentences when in school? I know my son actually had to do that at at the Christian school they went to, just like I did. I was so happy because it was such a pain when we did it. But that verse here, the Greek word for being filled, pleroma, is in the second person, plural, passive, present, participle. (laughs) Say that, right? Second person is you, right? Passive means be filled. It's not like you do it. And plural means all y'all in Southern. All y'all. And being present means all y'all keep being filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time, one-shot Boom, I got it. Now I'm done. My tank is full. It's keep going back to that water fountain for a drink. Keep going back to the gas station for the fuel for your life. I love what Eugene Peterson in his message, that translation, it's a paraphrase of this passage, how he puts it. He says it this way, these are desperate times. Don't live carelessly unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge draughts of him. So when the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. And what was fascinating in it, you can read it through. Why does Paul talk about don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Well, partly because on the day of Pentecost, The crowds that saw these disciples and these followers, 120 or so strong, they thought, man, they must be on something. They they said they got to be drunk because they're so full of joy and exuberance that day. They thought, how, nobody's like this in, except, you know, and Peter says, no, wait a minute. It's nine o'clock in the morning. This is not the time for drinking yet. No, this is the Holy Spirit whom Joel prophesied would come upon all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The young men will see dreams. The old men visions on all flesh. It's the joy of salvation. It's the Spirit who cries out in our hearts, as Paul will say, Abba, Father, so that we know we are children of God, and it's the joy of being God's child. And these people were filled with the joy of the resurrection and the victory of Jesus Christ, and it overflowed that people thought they were on something. So that kind of begs the question about my life, you know, 
Do I exude such joy and such peace and such just contentment and that people around me wonder what I'm on? <laughs> what is he taking? I want some of that. Or is it the fact that we just so often, instead of being filled with this, just want a little sip, just a little taste, just, I, you know, keep it under control? Or how about the fact that there are so many Christians that I've noticed, I don't know, maybe not you, but okay, I've seen them through my life that seem like they were baptized in lemon juice, they're so sour. Who wants to be like that? But the early church that exuded such joy and such love for each other, it just spilled over, and the Lord added to their number daily all those who were being saved, it says in Acts 2, 42 to 47. So, the Holy Spirit, Paul exhorts us, be filled. And here's the truth. You're going to be full of something. You're going to be full of something. Everyone is full of something or everyone is being filled by something. You keep getting replenished. You keep trying to find something. And here's the truth that St. Augustine way back 1,500, 1,600 years ago knew and we still know today is that there's a God-sized hole in each of our lives that only God can fill. We keep stuffing it with other stuff, trying to fill our lives with something, and it just doesn't quite satisfy. How he put it was this, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. So people fill themselves with all the boy toys they can. People fill themselves with experiences and vacations or romance or with sports or with work or with everything. And yet, hauntingly, they know it just doesn't quite satisfy. And when you get full of anything other than God's spirit, you really suffer. So, for example... You know, you've probably seen people who are full of themselves, you know? They're so big and everybody else is so small, their entire discussion is about I, me, and myself, you know? And they always are talking about their ideas, their thoughts, their looks, and they treat you as just someone, something actually, to fill their needs. And yet, in the end, anybody who is full of themselves may be a little narcissistic is really empty inside. I think T.S. Eliot uh, in the Wasteland poem put it well. I don't have this up there, but uh, where he said, we are hollow men stuffed with straw, just trying to stuff ourselves. And we, being full of ourselves, are actually empty and depleted. It's fascinating. Some people, though, are full of regret. They keep on shoulda, woulda, coulda, on their lives. They are always kind of focusing on what they didn't get to do or didn't do and they should have done and could have done and would have done if only and when. And they really, when they're focused on regret, are really focused on themselves in kind of a backhanded negative way. Other people might be full of bitterness. That is, they basically um, are struggling with just, oh, Life is such, I got stiffed again. I didn't get what I needed. I should have had. And they keep comparing themselves and feeling like they didn't, and they keep score. And they keep tabs. And they can't let go. 
and they don't move on, and they keep stuck, you're going to be full of something. And maybe even like one step farther, you could be full of anger. And you get so caught up in having to have things my way, just right, a sense of justice, and uh, that you even think using anger and intimidating other people and pushing people around is the way to get ahead and get what you want. And yet, each of these are self-centered ways of trying to fill yourself up and you still remain empty. I like how C.S. Lewis put it about all of this. It's kind of, kind of hard to hear, but it's true. He says, hell begins with a grumbling mood always complaining, always blaming others, but you are still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Ouch. So, being filled with the Spirit, as Paul talks about in this passage, is not simply adding a little zest to life to make it just a little better. It is absolutely essential in order to live it up, to have a real life. Jesus put it this way when he was talking to the crowds. He said, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Paul, in this text, is not suggesting you might want to be filled with the Spirit. It's actually a command. All y'all be filled with the Spirit. Because it is so absolutely important. It's the only way to truly live it up, to truly be alive. So the question, I guess, now is how? How do you get filled with the Spirit? Okay? First, like I said, it's second person, plural, present passive participle, which means it's not a one-time event. It's not like, ooh, I get it now, and I better get it now, and it's got to be a crisis to have the Holy Spirit. No, it's an ongoing, ever-flowing, ever-needing to receive the Holy Spirit every day of my life. That's the prayer. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, it is a state or a condition in which we are to always live permanently. Okay, So when Paul describes it, it is that I habitually live every area of my life conscious of the Spirit's control and aware of what I need from the Holy Spirit. That I am focused on God's kingdom, focused on his will, focused on others, focused on serving, focused on and receiving every gift from God and giving and responding as a result. It is not necessarily a dramatic experience. It can be dramatic at times. There are times when it can be the fullness of the Spirit comes upon you when you are just amazed at God's love and grace and mercy. And other times it's just a replenishing, a a quietness. But it's the constant need to be in God's presence and to be uh, filled with the Spirit and then living in the character of the Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit. As Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay? That's what starts happening. 
So how yet? How? Second person, plural, present passive participle. All y'all. It's a communal thing. It's not something you do alone. It's not where I just kind of look into my... Like I said, I think last week, when we talked about look up, it's the fact I look outside of myself. I don't go into my interior and just find, ooh, the present. I find, I look to you, O oh Lord. I look outside of myself to receive from God all that he has as a child looks to a parent. And so it's communal as well. And we see the rest of this passage when he says, be filled with the Spirit. Then he gives us four participles. It is diagramming sentences this morning, isn't it? That are dependent on that. It says, be filled with the Spirit and the how. Okay? The first, addressing one another. It's that the role of Scripture is such that we speak to one another God's word. We encourage one another. We are connected to one another. Wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus says in his name, he is present. So it is in my relationship with you, when I hear God's word from you and you hear it from me, boom, I'm being filled by the Spirit. Secondly, he says, singing, making melody in your heart. That is, worship itself is a great place. Music is, I think Martin Luther said, the handmaiden of the gospel. That is, the one who, it just draws, man, when the word is put to music, it gets into my inner being a lot quicker, and it makes a difference. We don't worship just because it's entertainment. This is not entertainment. This is exalting our God and also being open to him. It opens us up to the reality of his presence by singing and making melody in our hearts to each other. We were made for that. Thirdly is giving thanks. That it, my focus is on what God is doing and how he is acting. And that gives me the right perspective about all of life. My whole attitude of thankfulness starts to be, people love being around people who are thankful. Have you noticed it? And people who are kind of like, eh, you know, not so much. And finally, and this one I know, we sometimes don't see it. It's cut off from this passage, but it's another one, and that is submitting to one another. Okay? That is learning from each other, giving preference to each other, as Philippians 2 says. We are to be teachable and living in community. I am much more myself when I am with you than if I'm alone. Christianity is not a me-first religion. What do I need? What do I want? What do I get? It is a we religion. It is a you are preferred, and we together, faith, relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's another kind of facet of this passage. Ephesians 5, 18 to 21 is parallel. It's almost like eerily parallel to another passage in the book of Colossians chapter 3:16. See if you can see this. It says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You get it? You see all the parallels there? Now, it's amazing. So you've got the same kind of passage, but one it says be filled with the spirit and the other says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Hmm, you know math, right? Um, H.A. Ironsides, 
observed it this way. It's an old rule in mathematics that things equal to the same thing are equal to one another. To be filled with the word is equal in result to being filled with the spirit. Then it should be clear that the word-filled Christian is the spirit-filled Christian. As the word of Christ dwells in us richly, controlling our ways, as we walk in obedience to the word, the spirit of God fills, dominates, and controls us to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be a spirit-filled Christian? You let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you do that when you're in the scriptures in one form or another, in in our home huddles, in personal devotions, reading the word, and you're asking these two questions as we've put this before. It's invitation and challenge. What is God teaching me from this passage? And what am I going to do with it? It's putting it into practice. What am I learning? What am I invited to learn? What is he calling me into? And what am I going to do about it? So, what's filling you up? Right? You might want to check your schedule to answer that. Check how it works. You know? Look at what media you're consuming. That's filling you up. Now, in order to be filled by God's Spirit, it might mean, yeah, changing a couple of habits, adding something in, of letting go of a couple other things. It, can't, it is not monumental. We're not talking about whoosh, monumental. We're talking about revolutionary. For some, it's just adding five minutes of reading the Scriptures a day. And then expanding a little and little on that. And yet, what a change that makes. Or praying in the morning and opening yourself up to God's Spirit for the day. Or being in a home huddle and adding that in in a weekly basis. Or, in, you know, that you're regularly in a community group. You come here to Thrive FGCU or you get into a huddle with um, Thrive FGCU or with one of the home huddles that we've got listed out um, that you could sign up for this week again. But basically, it's not monumental, but it is revolutionary. It changes everything by making just the littlest change. Something that is easy to do, really. Five minutes here, ten minutes there, but changes our whole perspective. Now, here's the main point of the text I do not want. It's so obvious that we might totally miss it, and that is this. God will not leave you empty. He never intends you to be empty. Now, you might feel empty. You might be empty. And there are times I have been emptied and I need to be. And sometimes that is just simply because that I know it's not in me. It is all from God. It's all a gift. And then I can receive. And there are things, reality check, I need to be emptied of. I need to be emptied of my ego and my control needs and my bitterness or my anger or my resentment or my regret or my you know, desires to seek it my way. For God to fill, he first often empties. You know, the disciples are a good example. If you look at their lives, they were pretty full of themselves through the three years they were with Jesus. And right up to the end where Peter declares to everyone, I am never going to deny you. 
And the disciples said, we will never leave you. And Peter becomes the most pathetic coward. And the disciples all run away. And when Jesus dies on the cross, what really happened is they were totally devastated and emptied of their own self-righteousness and knew it wasn't about them. It was all about Jesus. That is God's typical way in our lives. God humbles to exalt. He empties to fill. He convicts to cleanse. He corrects to bless. He lowers us to raise us up. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, I think put it well. He says this way, For he kills our will that his may be established in us. He subdues the flesh and its lust that the spirit and its desires may come to life. This is not only something God does in you, it's also what God does for you. This is what's amazing about Jesus and his life. It says in Philippians 2, he emptied himself. He was poured out. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, have this mind which is in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That word humbled is really to be poured out, pouring out his blood. He empties himself for you. He cried out on the cross, I thirst to be your living water. He dies that you might live. He rises to give you new life. He ascends to give us the spirit. As I said at the beginning, it was to our advantage that he ascended to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So, the early church. The early church lived in a time that was desperate. Times that were evil. Times that were difficult. I mean, just think and imagine for the time with the, the, the disciples who were huddled together and how they exuded such love and mercy and, and joy and victory over the, you know, with the resurrection. It was at a time when in the provinces of Rome, everybody felt defeated and overpowered by the, quote, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, which they knew was just military might subduing them all, where they had to pay taxes that they weren't in control of their lives. And yet the religious people, even the temple itself was a sham, and the Sadducees who had the truth didn't live it out, and the Pharisees just added burdens on people. And in addition to that, all the Roman religion was just ritual and obligation, and nobody really believed the stuff that much. They just did it because they had to do something for a good luck charm of some type, you know, just going through the motions. And then everybody seemed to be, and the best they could talk about was kind of a netherworld of shadowy existence. They weren't sure what it was. And then on comes the scene, a group of normal everyday people who are filled with such joy and love for one another and service, and a truth. No wonder it was the spark, and the church exploded and grew. I don't think today is too much different. Kent Hunter, um, he's called the church doctor. I was able to hear him speak, and he noticed there's this kind of dissatisfaction in the United States. In fact, there's kind of a hauntedness in a lot of people's lives. They know there's something more. It's like a ghost around them, but they can't figure out. They can't put their hands on it. 
And he said, we're living in a hopeless time, a time where people just don't feel connected in any way, and they're not quite sure what to do, you know? Um, They're trying to fill. They're trying things. They're not quite sure. We, as we live out in home huddles, as we live out our lives in the joy of being filled with the Spirit, it's contagious. It's going to catch on. They're going to look at us and go like, I want whatever they're on. (laughs) What's going on with them? Why? We don't get it because there's not much hope across the world these days. These are desperate times. And it's time to be engaged in mission. So, to sum it up, what's filling your life? What does God need to empty you from? And how practically are you going to be filled with God's Spirit? Now, maybe um, you've heard about Jesus for a long time, and it's always been kind of out there, information. Maybe you've never really taken it in here. That's the Holy Spirit's job. He takes the reality of God and brings it home so that we cry out, Abba, Father, yes. Well, today is a great day to say yes. A great day to receive and be filled with the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. And for us who may have received it before, today is a fantastic day to receive it again. And again, and to receive more and more of the Spirit and be filled to overflowing. So I think this is a time to pray. And to pray for practical as well changes, just the minimum, you know, just not monumental, but revolutionary changes so that we are filled by the Holy Spirit and we live it up. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We need desperately your Holy Spirit, that your word, your life would live in us richly. Fill us now, Lord Jesus. For those who may have never said yes, Lord, we thank you that right now you can fill and you will fill us with the hope, the joy of the resurrection, the joy of salvation. For us, Lord, who've gotten a little dry and wearied and emptied, we pray, fill us again. Lord, and for us who are full of ourselves or full of stuff, junk, things that don't satisfy, empty us, Lord, right now, that you may fill us with your goodness, with your truth, with your mercy and grace. Lord, we pray for our home huddles. We thank you for the homes that are open for the lives that are being touched. We pray that you would move us to consider, to be a part of it, that this would be the spark in this area, that Thrive would be just one of the sparks in this area for an explosive church growth, that many may come to know you, Lord Jesus, as in Acts. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.